0: Good morning, church. Welcome to Living Fellowship, Sunday morning here in Visea, California. Welcome online. So good to have everybody with us. Uh, Happy New Year to all. Very excited about the new year. I I appreciate, I think Jennifer said last week, appreciate very much you guys giving us the ability to go and take a little vacation and uh, hang out at the beach for a little bit. And um, I'm just going to tell you, the time that I spend alone like that with the Lord is just amazing. I have a, such a newfounded love for the Word of God and for the Spirit of God, and it's just going to boil over, and you guys will get every bit of uh, what comes out. So we're very excited about it. We are going to get right into the Word of God here. How many of you have listened to Pastor Dan's teachings recently? He Uh, commented on me talking about the fear of the Lord and you know the different teachings we did on that I think I still need to get one of those up online Um, but then he also said this year there are two things he's very focused on and that is um, not to be afraid not to be in an unclean fear and that's how I'm going to say it because one of the first scriptures I'm going to read is Psalms 19 and 9 the fear of the Lord is clean and there is another fear that I've been talking to you about that's unclean it is a torment we'll read a little bit about it right here and that's the one that um, when God would go to individuals and instruct them what to do he would say many times over 60 times in the King James translate King James translation fear not and that's what I want to talk to you about here today fear not it was a fear that would cause an individual to be separated from God Not to listen to God. Not to believe God. So we're going to address that here this morning. But Daniel also said in there that he would uh, focus on not being afraid and loving God this year. Well, I'm just going to stay with one side of that, if you're aware. where, uh, Where God already has me and where I've been. Talking about the fear of the Lord. Or the fear, if you have your Bibles, we're going to read in 1 John 4 and 18. Now Paul told Timothy... That God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. That spirit of fear, I'll either refer to, uh, refer to it for you guys as the spirit of fear specifically or an unclean fear. Because the Bible does call the fear of the Lord clean. So the other one is unclean and it is a spirit of fear. Now, in the book of Isaiah, it does call the fear of the Lord a spirit. It's, it is a spirit, the fear of the Lord, but it's not the spirit of fear that is unclean, okay? So, in 1 John 4, verse 18, I'm just going to touch on this fear and love thing real quick, and then I'll go right into fear not. 1 John 4 and 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Now, notice I've heard people quote this scripture many times. And they, they'll read it like this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out all fear. It's not all fear, it's this fear we're getting to re- get ready to read about that brings a torment to you. You always walk in the fear of the Lord. In simplicity, the fear of the Lord is a reverence towards God. In, in greater understanding, it's wisdom, it's understanding, and we're going to read three scriptures, I'm going to give you a homework assignment concerning the fear of the Lord, and uh, the fear of the Lord has to be taught to you. You don't know the fear of the Lord in the beginning. The only fear you know is one that causes you to be afraid of God, to be afraid of angels, to be afraid of, of the word of God and the commandments of God. But the fear of the Lord, it is clean. Now let's read this again. First John 4 and 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that, feareth, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. Has anybody ever experienced this fear? Where you're afraid and it puts you in a bondage, <coughs> puts you in a captivity in your mind. It causes you to be even afraid of God, which the Bible says God is love. Now watch verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. That is so important. When you're going to understand the love of God, one of the first things you have to do, well, you got to believe that God is love. you got to believe in love. you got to believe in God. But you first must believe that he loved you first. You don't love God first. God loved you first. He said we love him because he loved us first. Now, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. So if you're going to rid yourself of this fear that is unclean, if God is going to help you not to be tormented by a fear that's unclean, perfect love is going to have to work. You will need to be brought into to the perfect love of God. Does that make sense so far? Now, I don't do this too often, but I want to go two scriptures above where we started. And watch how this leads into this. Verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. Now, do you see why I said the first thing you have to do is believe? And we have known and believe the love that that God hath to us. Understanding that we love him because he first loved us. We believe that he loves us, okay? God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? God is love. If you dwell in love, you dwell in God. God dwells in you. Herein is our love made perfect. Now, this is how perfect love, the next scripture says that perfect love casteth out fear. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. So how is, herein is our love made perfect. It's referencing the scripture before, we have known and believed. You've got to believe, folks. The first thing you got to believe in God. you got to believe in his love. you got to believe that he loves you. You know that the devil will come by and tell you that God does not love you, that you are not worthy, that God doesn't care about you, that you can't attain unto uh, the things of God, that people don't love you, that people don't like you. The devil will come by and tell you all those things. God is not telling you that. You with me? You know what God is going to tell you? Fear not. Huh? Fear not. Now, I'll give you a real quick homework assignment concerning the fear of the Lord. And I've quoted this a couple times already, but I'm going to read it to you. Psalms 19 and 9. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Did you read that? The fear of the Lord is clean. Now, what's the difference between this fear that hath torment and the fear of the Lord? There's a lot, isn't there? But some people can't tell the difference. They just think they're uh, afraid of God and they call that the fear of the Lord. You know, in the King James translation, almost every time that it says somebody was afraid, it's in the negative sense. It's in the sense of the unclean fear. If they were afraid, they were afraid of God. I'll show you that. The very first instance is Genesis 3, isn't it? Where art thou, Adam? I hid myself. I was afraid. Now, here's where I interject some things. Paul said that the wages of sin is death. Right? Do you know what the unclean fear is that Adam said right there, I was afraid and I hid myself? See, he's separating himself from God. He's afraid of God. He's hiding from God. Fear is an effect of sin. This unclean fear is an effect of sin. Now, the wages of sin is death. That is true. When Adam sinned, what God said was true. That in the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Correct? But God didn't tell him anything about this fear he was going to have. Why? Because the fear of the Lord has to be taught. The third verse I'm going to read here says that the fear of the Lord is taught. So when Adam was disobedient and he (sighs) forgot his first love or he left his first love, what creeps in? A serpent that changed the word of God, deceived Eve. She gave unto her husband. He did eat. By one man's disobedience, sin enters the world And now Adam is in the effect of sin. He's afraid. And what does he do when he's afraid? He hides himself from God. Anybody ever think they've ever done that in their entire life? Probably quite a few times, I would say. But here's the thing. Maybe you've done it ignorantly. Not understanding the difference. We're going to change that for you. There's going to be no ignorance. As we teach this to you, you're going to be able to divide and separate the difference between an unclean fear... And like Psalm says, the fear of the Lord that is clean. Now the other thing that is different about this fear, I'll read it again. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The fear of the Lord endures forever. What did we read in 1 John 4 about the fear that hath torment? It's cast out by perfect love. So that one has an end. The fear of the Lord endureth forever. Do you see that? And isn't that great that the fear that hath torment gets cast out by perfect love? But also, equally as great, the fear of the Lord, which I'm going to read you a few scriptures on, never leaves. It endures forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Now... Job 28, 28. I said I'd just read three, but the homework assignment is in the King James Translation, this phrase, fear the Lord, is only in the Bible 30 times. Take a look at it. Read it. I'm praying for you right now to fear not. Don't be afraid to get in the book. Don't be afraid to seek God's spirit. Fear not. Get in there and look at this phrase and let's see if God ministers to you. Some of you, all of you. I know he has me. So... I've prayed for you. Job 28, 28. And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. In order to depart from evil, what do you have to have? The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. We've ministered to this in previous teachings. But wisdom is the interpretation of a thing. Understanding shows you how to handle the thing you interpret correctly. You know what the devil is a master at? Adding to the word of God. Changing the truth to a lie. We're going to get into this. I can also show you that in Genesis. The uh, third chapter. God told Adam. You shall surely die. What did the serpent come by and say? Ooh. One word. N-O-T. You know we're going to get into this. But that word not. Means a whole lot. <laughs> the poet didn't know it huh. That word Not means more than what you think it does. We're going to show it to you, okay? But he added one word. He changed the truth that God said, ye shall surely die into a lie. You shall not surely die. And by changing one word of God, sin entered the world. She believed it. She believed the serpent over God and became disobedient by one word. Not. Not. We read Job. So the reason I brought that up about the word not is by adding that one word to the word of God, the serpent changed the word of God. If he changed the word of God, is the interpretation wrong now? Is the interpretation different? It sure is. Does it mean something different? The absolute opposite, doesn't it? You remember in Matthew 16 when Jesus told Peter, That he give him the keys to the kingdom? He asked him, behold, who who do men say that I am? Some say that there are Elias, some say Jeremiah, some say the prophet. Okay, who do you say that I am? Thou art the Son of God, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the Lord began to bless Peter and tell him that the gates of hell would not prevail against him. That upon this rock being the revelation that Peter said Jesus is the Christ, upon this rock I will build my church. Jesus is that rock. The revelation that Jesus is the son of God is where God builds his church. And he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He gave him the keys to the kingdom. I mean, he just blessed him, didn't he? And then like God always does, when he gives you a truth, he was going to take him a little bit farther. And Jesus began to expound to Peter what must happen. He has to go to Jerusalem. He's got to be rejected. He's got to be crucified. All those things had to happen to him. What does Peter do? He takes the Lord and under the inspiration of Satan, the inspiration of the devil, he takes the Lord and rebukes him and says, this shall not surely happen to you. Jesus said, I have to do it. What does Peter add to it? One word. The same one that got Adam and Eve in the beginning. Not. This shall not happen unto you. And the Lord turns and identifies exactly where that knot came from. Get behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me. For thou savest not the things that be of God, but those things that be of the devil. I told you the truth. You're trying to change my truth to a lie by a knot. <laughs> he does this all the time. And you know what else I'm going to incorporate in here? And I've said this many times. I more than likely will say it. Not only till I die, but into eternity and beyond. The the devil's greatest weapon and his greatest ploy is to convince you of sin. See, it is the devil that sinneth from the beginning. You, as God's creation, however you want to say it, God's people, God's family, you are being saved by grace through faith. It is a gift of God. God give you this gift. It's the devil that sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Interesting enough, I say that his biggest weapon or his greatest deception and seduction is to convince you of, and I'll say it because it's true, his sin. It's his sin. Did he deceive the whole world? Yes. Have I gotten deceived? Yes. Have you gotten deceived? For sure. Have we both been seduced by this devil? Revelation 12 tells us that that great red dragon, that old serpent, called the devil and Satan, deceiveth the whole world. But do you know, Summer, in the eyes of God, there is a great difference between the deceived and the deceiver. There's a difference between somebody that convinces you of a lie and you ignorantly being convinced of that lie. He's judged. He's the one that sinned from the beginning. Did we sin for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God? Absolutely. Does the grace of God cover you in this? 100% 100% does the grace of God cover him you know, think about it huh does a, is the grace of God on Satan only to this degree that the grace of God reveals to you that he's the father of lies that he is the devil that he is the deceiver he is the seducer by the grace of God God reveals him to us he reveals the son of perdition the man of sin that's how grace is on him to show him he is darkness. He is the power of Satan. He is a lie. And he is anti-Christ. When, when Adam was afraid, what did his thoughts tell him? What do you think? I did something wrong. I got to face the music. God's going to kill me. Huh? He said I'm going to die, so it's going to be God that kills me. Think about this. God said I was going to die. So God's going to come in and kill me. Now you may not have taken a dead stream, but you ever thought to yourself that God's going to hurt you? God's not going to do what you asked to do? Do you know what you're being convinced of? That he's a liar. Because God said, I will, and you're believing you will not. You see how that not gets in there? We're going to address this some more. Concerning the fear of the Lord. Let me see here. There was one more scripture I wanted to read right here. Yeah. Psalms 34 and 11. Come ye children, hearken unto me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. So in the beginning, you don't know the fear of the Lord. God has to come and show you, like I'm doing, there's two different kinds of fear. And you say, but Pastor Brian, you said before that to God, there's only one fear. And that's the truth. That's the truth. Because in God, it's clean. It's called the fear of the Lord. I'll give you an example. I I was going to do this last time I spoke, but I was talking with Pastor Rick Rush, bless his heart, uh, sometime back. Well, he's done this many times, many times. But he said, do you know that God has no enemies? And we're like, what? He'd say stuff like, to God, there's no terrestrial realm. Huh? You've told us for a year. We've taught. It's right here in the Bible. Huh? The celestial, the terrestrial. How, what do you mean? It's in it the book of Corinthians. It says it right there. But you've got to understand where he's coming from, where he's speaking. His perception is to God, from the eyes of God. God has no enemies. Because another person will go, well, wait a minute. Matthew 13 alone says that there were two sowers. One sowed the good seed and one sowed, one sowed the wheat, one sowed the tares. Pastor Rick, it says right there that an enemy has done this. Listen, that's outside of God. That's in the terrestrial realm. That's outside of heaven. In heaven, you've got to perceive when I say there's one fear, that God has no enemies and these things, that that's to God and his perception. That The devil, in the outside of God is his enemy, through God, he's just a tool that God uses to teach. Are you with me? At the end, is there a new heaven and a new earth, and they're both celestial? Then there really is no terrestrial you got to see the perception, folks, because otherwise you're going to argue with me as Scripture, and you can argue all day long, but God's still going to be right, and he's still going to tell you the truth. So saying what I did there, I gave you the example that to God there's only one fear. And that's when I taught the lesson about the stewards, the faithful steward and the unfaithful steward. And I said that when the unfaithful steward took the talent and he hid it in the earth, he said he did that because he was afraid. Remember? And that caused him to be unfaithful. If he would have taken what God give him, gave him and not be afraid, not succumb to the wrong fear, then he would have been just like the one that had five and the one that had two, good and faithful servant. He would have entered into the kingdom. He would have enter, er, entered in with God. Do you see that? But we also used an example of saying if you do have this fear that's unclean, can you bring it to God and trade with the same? Because those, those stewards that were blessed, that got more talents, when the five got ten, he ended up getting eleven because he got the guys that was afraid also. But it says they went out and they traded with the same. God told the unfaithful servant, you should have taken my talent, my money, and put it to the exchangers, that when I come back, I would have mine with usury, right? With some interest. And uh, he said, I didn't do that because I was afraid. And you know what else he said? I know you. I know you're an austere man. Is that right, Joe? I know you're an austere man, an angry man, and um, you reap where you sow not. So he said, there's some things I know about you but guess what? He didn't know everything, did he? He only knew, his knowledge only told him a little bit about God, because God said, basically, if you knew me, like you said you did, see that unclean fear caused him to interpret God wrong, to look at God (laughs) wrong. I know you, you're an austere man, you you reap where you sow not, and God basically told him, if you had known me, then you wouldn't have listened to that fear, and you would have taken what I gave you, and you would have done with these faithful ones. You see how this fear that's a torment will cause you to interpret God wrong, to look at God wrong? Terrible, isn't it? Now, so the fear of the Lord has to be taught. We're doing that for you right now. We're teaching you that in God's eyes, there's only one fear. It's called the fear of the Lord, and it's clean. Outside of God, where sin is present in the earth, the devil has taken something clean, and he's made it unclean. It's called the spirit of fear. Paul said, God hath not given us a spirit of fear. Well, wait a minute. If there's only one fear, where did the spirit of fear come from? The lying devil stole the clean thing and made it unclean. And he uses it to torment you. And tells you you can't make it. Nobody loves you. You're going to be alone. Everybody hates you. God doesn't care about you. God's not going to help you. God's not going to be there for you. I say to you, fear not. Fear not. He's lying to you. The things he's saying to you are in addition to what God has said. God said, if you'll come out from that unclean thing and be ye separate, I'll be your God and you'll be my children. He said, I'll walk up and down in the midst of you. Do not believe that lying devil. Are you with me? The word fear not, the phrase fear not, is at least 60 times. It might be exactly 60 times in the King James translation of the Bible. You know who it starts with? And I want to tie something in with you so cool here today. For the first time that it's said in the Bible, it's Genesis 15 and 1. Let's go there real quick. And God's saying it to a man named Abraham, which if you can uh, follow this, Is your father. The scriptures tell us that Abraham is the father of all them that do believe. And that we're grafted in. And that we're a part of faith by believing, by faith in Jesus Christ. And even believing that Abraham is your father. You with me? Now, what I want you to notice is, (laughs) let me look here. 62 times the phrase fear not is in the scriptures 62 times it starts with our father abraham but what you'll notice in a pattern is that grace when god says to them fear not it's concerning him give him a promise he gives them a promise he says i'm gonna bless you i'm gonna do something great for you really but fear not why because that unclean fear will rob the promise of God from you. It'll cause you to doubt God. It'll cause you to walk in unbelief. It'll cause you like Adam. I didn't go there, but I think you guys can read that for yourself. Where art thou, Adam? I was afraid, and I hid myself. Did you, do you remember what God said? Have you eaten of the tree? <laughs> Have you eaten of your thoughts of the knowledge of good and evil? Have you tried to understand me outside of eating of the tree of life, which is wisdom and understanding? Are you following me here today? That's what Adam did in his mind. That's why we preach against knowledge so heavily. He tried to understand God without wisdom and understanding. He's a young man. And he tried to understand God and interpret God. And figure God out. Anybody ever done any of these things? Trying to understand what God's doing in my life. Trying to figure out why God hasn't done something I asked him to do. You know what the word of the Lord is to you? Fear not. You're eating of the wrong tree. You're in your own thoughts trying to figure out God. And the word of the Lord is to you. Fear not. Now you may not understand everything I'm saying right there. But believe it. Because by the time we're done with these teachings. I promise you. If you got an ear to hear, I 100% promise you, you will understand the fear of the Lord and have the opportunity to walk in it every single day of your life. Is that okay promise? So I give you a promise i got to tell you to fear not, huh? Watch Abraham. Genesis 15 and 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward." Now, now, notice here, when the word of the Lord comes to you, what does God also have to tell you? Fear not. <laughs> Fear not. So, the word of the Lord comes to Abraham, and how many of you know what is getting ready to take place here? Abraham's going to ask him for an heir, an inherit, somebody to inherit everything he has. And what does God do? Gives him a promise. What comes along with the promise? God gives a promise. What does the devil try to come along right alongside God with? An unclean fear. So God tells you right away. He's getting ready to tell Abraham. Before he tells him, I'm going to multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. And he gives him the promise of Isaac and the promise of Jacob. All the way down to Jesus Christ. huh? Through that lineage, David. My wife's been talking about Ruth. All the way down. He's given him a promise, and before he does, he tells him, fear not. In other words, do not believe that devil. See if you can handle this. Let's see if you can handle this. Remember how Adam deceived, I mean, the serpent deceived Adam in the beginning by changing one word of God, by adding one word of God and changing a truth to a lie? He used the word not, didn't he? In God's eyes, if there's only one fear, and God says, fear not, is he telling you to interpret the not? (laughs) You'll have to, you'll have, yeah, you'll have to think about this one for a while. When he's saying, fear not, is he telling you to interpret the not? Understand the not. Don't let the not come into your mind. That God's not going to be there. That God does not love you. That God is not giving you a promise. That God is not saving you. That God is not ministering to you. That God will not, Bryce, give you the Holy Ghost. Interpret the not. When those thoughts come, interpret. I know where that not came from, Bryce. God said, I will. The devil says, you will not. Fear not. Interpret the not. Now, I'm going to get accused of adding to the Word of God and taking away from the Word of God, but I'm going to tell you something. What I just spoke to you is an understanding. And even the King James translation of the Bible has italicized words, and the rule of thumb is if a word is italicized, you should be able to take it out and, and, it, and it say the same thing. Huh? So if you were to go to Peter's experience with Jesus, and he says, Lord, these things shall not happen unto you. What if you took the word not out? Lord, these things will happen to you. He agrees with the truth. Do you you understand what I'm saying? So you're saying, but yeah, you took one word out of there. But the understanding stays the same. Because he just showed you it's the serpent that brings the knot. It's the serpent that changes the word of God. And he showed Peter right there, get behind me, saying, for thou art an offense unto me. So who put the knot in Peter's mind? The The devil did, bro. And Jesus identified it. But what if we took the devil's words out of that, I said it already, but what if we took the devil's words out of that par- paragraph or that, that sentence? It would be an agreement, huh? So fear not. Interpret the not. Catch the lying devil that adds to and takes away the word of God and walk in one fear. A fear of the Lord that's clean. We're going to talk more about this in the future. This is just a little bit of a sewing, okay? Now, Real quick, we'll do this real fast. You know where the second place was that uh, God told him, fear not? I'm gonna read it to you. Now notice, Abraham told him, fear not. Bryce, was he giving him a promise? Was it gonna bring the promise of Jesus Christ to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob? Absolutely. So before he gives a promise, the word of the Lord came to him. He says, fear not. Abraham, interpret the not, because what did Abraham do almost immediately after this? I go childless. How, How can this happen for me? Don't believe the knot. Abraham? Uh Uh-huh, Sharon. How about this one? Second place that God says, fear not. And God heard the voice of the lad, and the angel of God called unto Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, what aileth thee, Hagar? He said, fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Now, who is this? This lad. It's Ishmael. Where does the Gentiles come from? So he gives the promise of the stars of heaven, Daryl, to Abraham and the sand of the sea. Then he goes to Hagar, which is a concubine, and he says to her, fear not, and then gives her a promise that Ishmael shall be a mighty nation. When does the fear not come? When the promise is there. Are you with me? Okay? I'll I'll just do it this way. You'll love this one. And the angel Gabriel come unto Mary, right? And she conceived. That which was conceived in her was of the Holy Ghost. But before the promise of Jesus Christ was given by the angel Gabriel to Mary, the angel went to Joseph and said, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived of her is in the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Are you with me? The fear not comes along with the promise. God's telling you don't walk in an unclean fear. Walk in the clean fear. And if you feel like I'm yelling at you, I'm sorry, but I'm excited. <laughs> uh, the word of God is just burning in my heart. And like Jeremiah say, it's a fire in my bones. And I've, if people can get excited about football games and fights and fake wrestling and that stuff, I think I should be able to get excited about Jesus here today, huh? Amen. So the year we're starting off, fear not, folks. I know the, the men did a great job last week. I appreciate Walker and him what they did last week. It was a good word. We listened to it there in our travel trailer. But here I am saying to you today, this is a year of the Spirit. You're going to learn more about the Spirit than you've ever learned before, if you will. It's to whosoever will. The year of the Spirit. Pastor Daniel's going to be teaching and focused on uh, this fear that I'm addressing so much today, and then the love of God. I'm going to stay right where we'll see where it goes. Uh, but the Word of the Lord to this church... And I really think to all our churches, it's fear not. Fear not to receive the word of God. Fear not to walk in prophecy. Fear not to pray and ask for the Holy Ghost, which it's God's good pleasure to give to all those that believe. Are you with me here today? Mm -hmm. Are we in agreement? Fear not. God bless you. Thank you for coming this morning.